the pack up team, uh, set up team, getting everything ready for you uh, before some of us have even uh, opened our eyes on a Sunday morning. The other thing that's coming up is uh, Christmas Eve. We do a Christmas Eve service, and uh, this year we're hoping to deliver to uh, 30,000 homes as uh, part of our outreach a, li- outreach, a little booklet called Is There a God? and uh, a summary of the gospel and on the back there will be an invitation uh, to our Christmas Eve service and uh, it's been organised by uh, Great Commission Ministries and they are providing all this free of charge if we'll deliver it so we're paying for the delivery and uh, then Noel rang me up from the Gold Coast and said actually we've worked out how long it's going to take me you've got so many uh, it's going to take me I don't know how many days to put them all in the envelopes and uh, I thought he'd have a machine to do it but he doesn't he does them all by hand himself. He said, is there any chance, you know, would you mind seeing if you get some people to help me? I'm happy to come up and help you do it. But uh, So on the weekend of the 3rd or 5th, I haven't talked to the youth leaders yet, whether we can do some Friday night, all day Saturday, it'll probably take us and finish off Sunday afternoon is putting that little booklet and an invite in the envelope like that and sealing it up. And uh, then that will be delivered to 30,000 homes. We're going to do it uh, combining with uh, Wesleyan Methodists uh, on the north side. There, and so, so we're going to change where we're delivering because they want to do a local area around there where they meet uh, to worship. So, uh, so we probably will be working together to fill them and then uh, deliver them uh, to the town. Uh, to the city uh, just before Christmas. So uh, keep that in mind. There'll be more details coming in the newsletter where we'll do that and how we'll do that. Well, the other thing that's coming up is Vision Dinners, we've mentioned. And uh, as uh, Kathy mentioned, it's a great time. We celebrate and uh, praise God for all that he's done in our life and in our church family over the past year. And then we seek to try and cast a vision of what we have planned for the coming year. And uh, as part of that, uh, we also make a commitment financially to help that to happen. Because I don't know whether you realise, but uh, the government doesn't pay for the gospel to be preached. And uh, the uh, Baptist Union, we're part of Queensland Baptist group of churches, uh, don't also pay us to do that. Actually, everything that happens in the life of Outlook Christian Church is made possible by the generosity and giving of God's people here as part of Outlook. And, um, and so today I want us to uh, think about and uh, focus on uh, what I call biblical giving. Now, it's always a worry for me when I preach on this because um, very often these, these guests who come to Outlook and maybe they haven't been to church for yonks and this is the first Sunday they've come back and they go, good grief, the first Sunday I come to church and guess what they're talking about? They're talking about money. <laughs> and um, I just want to confess up front, yes, probably once or twice a year just before vision dinner, I should look at who's not here. Maybe they know that I'm going to do that and they go on a holiday, especially at this time. But yes, I do talk about money. And uh, so that's what we're going to do today. But it is a spiritual matter. And uh, that's why I talk about it. And I believe it's a biblical matter. And that's why I need to preach on. And sometimes these topics that are difficult that we need to talk about. So that's what we're going to do today. So just warning you up front. So let's talk to Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you that it cost you your life. You came into this world in 
the person of our Lord Jesus Christ and was crucified and buried and rose again from the dead. You've sacrificed yourself to make it possible for us to be forgiven and come into your family and have the gift of your life, eternal life. And we've been challenged about the cost of discipleship too in the kids' talk this morning. It's not always easy to follow Jesus. And Father, I pray for any of us here who's struggling with that, maybe in our home, it's costly even to come to church because the rest of the family don't love you like we do. Or maybe it's costly at work, Lord, because our friends make fun of us, or at uni or at school, because they know we come to youth group and love Jesus. So Father, I pray for each one of us here that you'd give us the courage to stand up for you and keep following you. And stay faithful, no matter what happens in our life, or in our world, or in our society. And Father, on this sensitive subject of money, we just ask this morning as we talk about it, that your Holy Spirit will just take whatever it is that's from you, and apply it to our life, and that we will not argue with a speaker but we will say Holy Spirit of God through your word just show me what it is that you want me to know and you want me to do for our desire is to please you and to serve you and to follow you and to take as many people with us to heaven as possible so Father we sit in your presence and under your word, and we ask you to speak to us by your spirit. In the name of the one who rose again and is coming in power and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to talk about biblical giving this morning. The whole area of tithes and offerings. You may have heard these terms and wondered what they are about. At Vision Dinner, as well as celebrating uh, as part of the evening... Uh, we will have a card that looks like this. And it says a number of things on it. Let me read it to you. I affirm God's full ownership of me and everything entrusted to me. I set aside the first fruits. We'll look at that term in a minute. At least 10% of every wage and gift I receive is holy and belonging exclusively to the Lord. Out of the remaining treasures God entrusts to me, I seek to make generous freewill offerings. Recognizing that I cannot take earthly treasures from this world, I determine to lay them up as heavenly treasures for Christ's glory and the eternal good of others and myself. And then on the back of the card, there'll be an opportunity. Therefore, my commitment to Christ through Outlook Christian Church in 2018 will be my tithe or our tithe or the giving amount, whatever that amount might be, to Christ through his church. And we ask you to put down an amount per week. And then my offering towards, or our offering towards outreach initiatives in 2018, over and above that, and uh, there's a place there for that. And uh, so we ask you to do that, because how that works, how we do it here at Outlook, just so it's all up front so you know what's happening, is that uh, the pastor with the board comes uh, to the members saying, this is the ministry for next year and we think it's going to cost x amount and uh, that's what we'd like to do the ministry possibilities 
And then at vision dinner, we asked the family to say, how much has God put on your heart to give towards that? And we ask you to fill out that card. And then we seek to marry that up and uh, either increase our budget or decrease the planned budget to be pretty close to what the commitment has been made by God's people as part of Outlook. And then we just get on with ministry. So I don't talk about it. And that way, I don't have to every week come back, oh, we're not meeting budget and sorry about this and please give more and all that. So the rest of the year, we just get on doing the job that God's given us to do. And uh, to make that possible, uh, the best we can marry what we'd like to do with what God has provided through his people, and then we try to match it. We add a little bit more just for uh, growth of people coming in and, and situations like that. But that's, that's the process. Does that make sense? So that's what we're heading in. We celebrate what God... And that's what's been happening for the last seven years. And uh, I don't know whether you've ever thought about it, that uh, people have made commitments like this... And that's probably why you are here today. That is, followers of Jesus before have, uh, through their giving, through their tithes and offerings, have made it possible for Bibles to be delivered, for missionaries to go out, for churches to be established, for the gospel to be shared, for letterbox drops to be happening, for there to be a Facebook page and a, and a website so that people can find out more about the church, so there can be a youth group for ministry. What, whatever is happening in the life of the church has been made possible and uh, I came to know Jesus because of the faithfulness of Christians before me and others will come to know Jesus because of our faithfulness in making that possible because nobody else is committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and if the church is not committed to it who will make it possible for everybody to hear and have an opportunity to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So that's where we're headed, and so that's why I want to talk about this topic this morning. So I want to talk about biblical giving and some commands and principles in Scripture that uh, we can use to guide us in uh, what we give uh, to God's work through the church. That, that, let me just say, in Scripture, there's some very clear commands. And uh, one of them is in what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And this is why we had a baptism service last Sunday. This is why as a church we believe in believers' baptism. Why? Because Jesus Christ commanded it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That is, those who have become disciples of Jesus, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Why do we as a church baptize believers? Well, because Jesus commanded it. That's why we call it the Great Commission. It's a command. It's clear. It's straightforward. No questions asked. Just do it. Uh, because that's what Jesus says. That's what the Word says. However, there's other things in Scripture that uh, are principles. It's not as clear as a command, but there are principles that come out through Scripture that can guide us in different situations because we don't live as followers of Jesus with a whole series of laws to obey because we live under the law of Christ. Christ now dwells in us and the Scriptures give us some principles to live by and one of them is like this. Paul's talking about sexual relationships and how a Christian shouldn't uh, have a uh, intimate relationships with a prostitute and shouldn't have sex outside of marriage and he uses this principle don't you know that your bodies are the temples of the holy spirit who is in you you are a temple of god 
Actually, Paul talks about the whole church as the temple of God, but he also talks about each individual as the temple of God. Actually, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was placed, that's the word that's used. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who, who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so how, I, how do I make decisions whether I should be involved in this or be in this relationship or go there or do this? Well, on the basis of this principle, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in me. So wherever I go, I'm taking God with me, you might say, in that sort of human sense to understand it. And so would the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, be at home there where I am at the moment or in that relationship or in that situation. And so that can be a principle by which I help to make decisions in very different circumstances of life that we find ourselves in. You get the difference? Baptize, straight command, very clear. Do it or don't do it. Obey or disobey. It's, it's a clear command. This is a principle that can be applied in different settings and in different ways so we want to look at commands and principles when it comes to the whole area of giving and we need to realize that the early church bible was the old testament before the new testament was written paul would preach and those who were preaching would use the old testament to show how we should live as new testament believers because it's all there and in 1 Corinthians, he says this, talking about the whole area of giving. For it is written in the law of Moses, here is a principle, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. It came from Deuteronomy uh, 25, as you see down the bottom. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he is saying this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. Paul was talking to this church it looked like there were some people in, in, uh, in the preaching of the word ministry that they were supporting, but Paul and Barnabas, um, they were thought, well, you don't have any right to this. And he's saying, well, hang on, doesn't the scripture say, doesn't God's word say, don't muzzle an ox while he's treading out the grain? The picture was from farming in the law in the Old Testament, if you were a farmer and uh, you would have an oxen tied to... Uh, to a threshing wheel and there was a big threshing wheel in the middle and there was a big stick the log that came out and the animal would pull that around and around in circles and it would be and as he as he turned it around they would lay stuff on the ground and it would actually tread out and break the seed out of the out of the husks and then they would be able to you know we have machines now that shake them like crazy to get the chaff and get the seed out. But they used animals to do that. And while he's doing that work, the principle was, don't put a muzzle on him so he can't eat the food. Because if I'm really stingy, well, I want all the seed for myself. And God was saying, very practical thing to the farmers, well, that ox is doing the work for you. Let him have some of the benefit of his work. And Paul used that principle to say, actually, God's speaking to us. Those who have been called by God and given the gifts to preach the word and teach the word and share the gospel should be, receive physical or material benefit back or be paid by the gospel. 
Sort of the same principle he goes on. If I'm, if I'm in the army and, and I'm a soldier for a government, well, that government needs to pay me to be a soldier for them and for that government. And if I'm a gospel preacher, so this is the principle by which we pay ministers and missionaries and uh, the work of the church here. And uh, Paul says, if you read on in Corinthians, now I could call you up on this and he will go into another scripture and say I need to be but however I drive buses and uh, say no no he doesn't drive buses he says I make tents he could have driven buses apart-time but he he made tents to provide the ministry but he's saying as he goes on to say say there is another principle that guides in the area of how we provide for the ministry of the word and God's work and he calls on the principle from the temple He says this in 1 Corinthians 9 going on. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way as that, the Lord has commanded. Now that's interesting. People say that Jesus never commanded, but Paul says, In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. In the same way, the Lord has commanded those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Now, this is why pastors never preach about this, because this is hard, because in one sense, (laughs) I'm preaching about my own livelihood. But my desire is to build a church that one day will be able to support ministry locally and globally. And one day we'll be able to call a full-time pastor and uh, to, to lead the church because one day I'll retire or Jesus will take me to heaven or who knows what the future holds. Um, and uh, so that's where, where we're headed. And how do we do that? Well, Paul sets up how we should do it. And then he refers, he goes back, and what he's referring to is uh, the tithe or the principle of the first fruits. We read about this in Leviticus. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. That is, it's set apart for a special purpose for the Lord. And what is that purpose? Well, in Numbers we read, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving in the tent of meeting. You see, when the children of Israel came into the promised land, most of the tribes, except for the Levites, were given portions of land. It was an agricultural society, so they could make a living. But the Levites were not given a portion of land. There was no section of the promised land given to them. They had to focus on the worship at the tent of meeting, the tabernacle that eventually became the temple. And uh, they had to focus. So how did they live? Where did they get the resources and the food and the money to be able to live if they had no land to grow crops and to provide for themselves? Well, that was the Lord's tithe, as it's sometimes called, or the first fruits. That is the rest of God's people. We're to take the first fruits, the first lamb that was born, And the tithe just simply means 10, the 10% of it. Take the first of the crop and they, it belongs to the Lord. So God is saying, I've provided all of this to you already. So everything comes from my hand. 
manage the 90%, but give the 10, the 10%. It belongs to the Lord. It's holy. It's set apart for a special purpose. And that purpose was to make it possible for the Levites and the priests to lead God's people in worship and teach the Word of God and preach the Word of God and help them to follow God. So this is what Paul is referring back to. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? Those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. And we see it again, as he's mentioned, he's also referring back to Leviticus 6, where Aaron and his son shall eat the rest of it. That is when they brought an animal and they would put it on an altar. Not only their grain, 10% of that, but they could eat what was offered on the altar as well. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live off the gospel. So that's the principles that Paul is using to teach the church at Corinth and to teach us how the ministry of the gospel is supported. He goes back to the Old Testament and says, in the same way as the ministry was supported in the Old Testament, uh, that is, the rest of the tribes would tie their income, and their income would then be given to Levites to make it possible that uh, they could do the ministry to lead us all in the area of worship and serving and teaching the Word of God to us. And so he uses that principle to say, that's how it should happen now. And he uses it from the Old Testament. There's also a scripture from Proverbs that tells us and affirms this same principle. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So what we're doing with the tithe is we're honoring the Lord. We're saying, I believe that God is the creator of everything and everything I have is provided by him. And I'm to live for his honor and glory. And so with this tithe, I'm honoring him. I am saying he is first in my life. He has full ownership of my life. And I'm honoring him by giving him the first. Because I'm saying in my lips, he is first. And so in my finances, I'm really saying by tithing, he is first. Just like we worship and spend time worshiping God on the first day of the week. God comes first. And so that's what we have on our heart of giving card. Number one, I affirm God's full ownership of me and everything entrusted to me. Friends, that's the first step. I'm not giving to get God to accept me. I'm not giving in order to get merit points with God. I'm not giving in order to get saved. But because... God has saved me and I'm part of his family and I've surrendered my life to him. He's first. And so I'm just affirming his ownership of me and everything he's entrusted to me. And so I'm setting aside the first fruits or the tithe of everything I have as holy and belonging exclusively to the Lord. Now some people say, well, Jesus never talked about this. And uh, Jesus never told us to tithe. Well, I want to question that. Because in a conversation he had with the Pharisees, he said this in Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. You are so fastidious, even in your herb gardens, to make sure 
you give the 10%, the tithe, the one out of 10. Got $10, give the $1. Got $100? I'm not good at maths, give the 10. Thank you. All right. Uh, you're good at that. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You've neglected those things that are also part of the law to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk faithfully with God. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Now, there's certain things when you come from the Old Testament in the New Testament that don't continue. And the New Testament teaches us that. You don't no longer have to, circumcision is not part of the sign that you are part of the covenant people of God anymore in the New Testament. Paul is clear about that. You don't have to keep the, uh, the sacrifices because Jesus is the fulfillment of all the sacrifices of the Old Testament. He is the Passover lamb. So that's why we don't get you to bring animals and we don't sacrifice them on altars anymore because the New Testament teaches that there is, that's being fulfilled in Jesus. And here was an opportunity for Jesus to say about the tithe, well, it's, it's a new day, it's the new covenant, it's a different and yet, he says, don't neglect the former. So they were very careful to tithe everything that they had. And he's affirming that. But he's saying there's more to it. It's not just about that. It's not just about that. It's about justice and mercy and faithfulness. But don't neglect the former. And so often I think with us, we have neglected the former that Jesus has told us not to neglect, and that is the whole area of tithing. Why is that? Because it says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And then in Malachi, the prophet challenges God's people, saying, you're robbing from me. And the people go, how are we doing that? He says, because you're neglecting the tithe. Because that's wholly set apart for God. That's God's. He's provided everything, hasn't he, for you? If he stops the rain, takes your breath away, what have you got? What power have you got? God has provided you the opportunity. And so often we think, oh, this is my job and I've got this and I've done that. Well, who gave you the brains to get that job? Who gave you the opportunities to have that situation? Who put you in, the co in a country that pays when you're even out of work? Who's provided all this? Well, if I'm a believer, I understand that ultimately it is God who provides everything. And so I'm to be a good steward of the 90%, but the 10 belongs to God as, a, as that commitment that God's the owner of my life. It's holy to Lord, and so I don't want to rob him of that. But then some might say, well, that's just in the law, but Jesus talked about it and reaffirmed it. And it also was done by followers of God before the law came in, before Moses. And the one you probably know about is Abraham, but I want to talk about Jacob, his grandson. Jacob was running away from home because he was a bit of a swindler. And he cheated his brother out of the birthright and... He was not a very nice guy, but in, on, his, on his way to his uncle's place, that's where he thought he'd be safe, he stopped at a town called Luz or near Luz that later he renamed Bethel, House of God. 
And it was there that he had a dream and met God. Actually, Jesus refers to it as himself. He met Christ. There was a ladder. He had this dream, a ladder from heaven to earth, and angels going up and down. And in John chapter 1, Jesus uses this term to refer to himself, the ladder. And uh, you can read that in your own time later. But as he's had this dream and being in this place, he wakes up. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than a house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He called the place Bethel, meaning house of God. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house, Bethel. And all of that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. There was part of his commitment of ownership. He was committing himself to God. And this will be the house of God. The presence of God is here. And as a sign of that commitment of everything that you provide for me, God, I will give you the first portion of it, the tithe. It became law under Moses, but then Jesus reiterated and Paul used it as principles to guide us. And so I want to challenge us, if we've never thought about this before, to consider, to at least consider and and pray and ask the Spirit of God, is this what he wants me to be doing? I don't do it to get acceptance. I don't do it even to get God's blessing. It needs to come from a heart of commitment to God and his house, to his Bethel. And so I say, I will give you the first. I'll give you the first, the first fruits, the tithe, the 10%. May I encourage the young people, start when you have pocket money or a little job. It's actually easier. (laughs) If I get a hundred bucks, put 10 aside, that's for the work of God through the local church, through the house of God where I'm fellowship and getting blessed and encouraged in the word. Commit it. Commit it. You see, is God the God of the first fruits or is he the God of the leftovers? I think I've shared this story about how a treasurer who was complaining to me once about how we just didn't have the resources to do the work of God that we felt that the church should be doing. And then I said, you know what happens? I said, what happens is, is these are very emotional ad on TV about some good cause that I could give an offering to, but people have their tithe and they take some of that and give it to that. And then somebody knocks on the door and they're collecting for another good cause. And they take some of their tithe and give it to that. And so come by the time they get to Sunday, they only got leftovers left to give to the work of God. And I said, who else is committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Lots of people are committed to lots of good causes that need to be done. But who else, if not the people of God, will be committed to the gospel of Jesus and making that spread? if the church doesn't do it. 
And then I saw this funny look on his face, and he says, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> I said, well, maybe that's why. We don't have the resources. And the church, very often in our country, doesn't have the resources to spread the gospel and preach the gospel and do all that God's calling us to do. Because he's become the God of the leftovers rather than the God of the first fruits. And it's really a step of faith. Do I really believe God will look after me and care for me and provide for me? Now, maybe that's not quite the same sort of challenge when we're working for a big corporation or a company that you know, pays it into our bank account immediately every week. But when you're a farmer and you have a flock and the first lamb to be born is the first fruits and you're going to give that away, you've got no way to be sure that those animals are going to have another one. So it's a real step of faith. I'm giving the first fruits, the first 10% of what God has, what increase God provides me through the increase, I will give the first 10. It's a step of faith because I've got to trust God to continue to provide. We don't even have that sort of challenge because it just keeps, if I turn up to work, it'll hopefully come in. Although one church I was a pastor of, it was very embarrassing. I didn't always come in and I had to go around saying, we need to buy um, some food this week. Is it possible for the church to pay us something for the ministry that we've done this week? And that was hard. It hasn't, not this church, right? Not this church, but it has happened. And it does happen. Why? Because we become leftovers rather than first fruits. First fruits. So let's ask the Spirit of God to help us to be generous people, to be people of faith, because it started with Abraham, the great person of faith that we're children of, the New Testament says. Paul uses the principles from the law to guide us. You can read about that in Corinthians. Jesus told the Pharisees not to neglect it. There are other important things that we should be doing. Don't just sort of think that's the only thing. But don't neglect it either. And so the challenge to us is, will we affirm God's full ownership? And will we trust him to provide for us as we commit? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for all that you've provided for us. You're a good God. And we're so grateful in this nation, especially for all our good gifts that we take for granted. And often we don't believe it comes from your good hand. And forgive us for not honoring you in it. We pray that you'll help us to be good stewards of all that you've given us not just the tithe, that we will use it wisely to provide for our families and for those in need and for good causes that you lay on our hearts. But Lord, may you guide us and lead us and show us through your word and by your spirit what you want us to commit to the gospel, for the preaching of the gospel through the family of God that you've put us in. And as we head towards Vision Dinner and we celebrate all the good things you've done and especially we think of those who have just been baptised and, and declared their faith in you, we want to see so many more of them. 
Would you guide us and show us as individuals and as couples, as families, what we should commit to Bethel, to God's house, to the work of God and the family you've put us in. So others can come to know Jesus. So the kingdom can grow. And many come to faith. Lord, you've told us to do this with great joy, not out of have to, not out of got to, but out of gratitude for your goodness to us. So help us to be people of faith in the area of our finances, we pray. In Jesus' name. And for his sake and his glory. Amen. Well, we're going to do what we've talked about. We're going to take up our tithes and offerings now as we sit for the first part of this song. If you're a guest here and uh, this is not your custom, you've not made that commitment yet, that is just fine. We're glad you're here. And uh, well done for sitting through a, a, a topic on the area of finances on your first day here. We'd uh, be happy for you to put that Connect card in if you filled it out already, if you want to keep in contact with us while we take up the offering. We'll sit for the first part and then we'll stand to conclude the service.